speak life. Speak life. I want to share with you the importance of speaking life. We're headed towards the home stretch of this sermon series. We have two more after today. Today, we're going to preach on the 12 deadly sins of the tongue. I'm basing this off of Pastor Robert's book, Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church's book. Uh, I really admire what he's done and, and, and much of what he preaches. I, I totally agree with. And so he has this uh, book called The Power of Your Words where he identifies 10 deadly sins. I've added two more to it. I've added two more. So we're going to break it up into six and six and then we're going to finish the message the week after. Okay? Now, we're basing the entire series on the verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 18, verse 21. Read Proverbs 18, verse 21 with me. And if you brought your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open it to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is amazing. And we're going to be all over it like a duck on a June bug. Yes. And so, read with me. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now, I know when I read that, some of us immediately go, ooh, like that's a big statement. I'm not saying it, God's word said it. You can take it to the bank. If God's word said the tongue, your words, that that comes out of your mouth has power to either bring life or to bring death. You can tear down, you can build up with your words. We'll explore more of it in a minute. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In another version, it says we'll be satisfied by it. Meaning, you will be satisfied or dissatisfied by the world or the life or the situation you create with the words of your mouth. In other words, you can have, either have a great marriage or you can be completely miserable in your marriage. Depends on what you're speaking over your marriage. Uh-oh. Same thing with your family, your job, your situation, whatever it is. There is power in the words we speak. Amen? Power in the words we speak. Now, I want to share with you, when it comes to these, this power, it has to do with lining up with God in faith. Listen to what the Bible says in, in Isaiah. Now, I'm going to read three verses, but I'm going to put the first two verses up. Isaiah 59, because these verses are really popular, and more than likely, you've heard them at some point in your life. And so we understand the first part of Isaiah, especially verse 1, where he says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. That's absolutely true. And many of us have heard that quoted over our lives, and that is a good verse to quote. God, your arm is not too short. Whatever needs to be done, your arm is long enough, strong enough to get it done. Amen? And you are also... You also have a good enough hearing to hear us whenever we cry. Even if it's a faint cry for help, God can hear you. But watch verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. That means our sin separates us from God. Now that is a, a Christian concept we should all be familiar with, right? That when we are, we are in sin or we are, we are not children of God, our sin separates us from God. That's why it's important to remember that if you're, not, if you're not living the life you're called to live, some of your prayers, most of your prayers are not going to be answered. You go, well, why not all your prayers? Because a prayer of forgiveness will be answered. 
A prayer of repentance will be answered. Prayer of contrition, there's, there are prayers that, that will be answered. But, but, but read this with me. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that you, uh, excuse me, so that he will not hear. So it's not that he can't hear, it's that he won't hear. Now watch verse 3. For your hands are stained with blood and your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely and your tongue mutters wicked things. Now do you see why? Why is it that he won't hear? Because of the things we're doing and the things we're saying. And let me put it another way. The things you're doing are because of the things you're saying. And not just you, me too. I'm, I'm, we are saying, we are doing. Because how many of us know that you have to think it, believe it, speak it before you start doing it? And so there is a progression to this. And so when it comes to the 12 things that we should really refrain from, from engaging in because it brings death, and it turns God's face from us, and, and, and he, he doesn't hear us. These are the things that the Bible outlines. Number one, lying. Lying. How, how uh, devastating is lying to our soul? To our soul. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16. And as you go to Proverbs 6, 16, we're going to read through 19. I want you to know that the book of Proverbs has three main themes. And these themes are found throughout. And so if, if you are like me, struggle with one of these themes or could use some strengthening in these areas, I want you to know what they are. Number one, the book of Proverbs talks about our money, our morals, and our mouth. Come on, how many of us could use help in those three areas? How many of us, if we got really short up in these three areas and we really strengthened them up and had a firm foundation, we could improve the quality of our life like dramatically? Money, morals, mouth. Money, morals, mouth. Come on. You know, this is the reason why when they asked Pastor Billy Graham, the great evangelist, uh, Pastor Graham, if you had advice for parents, young parents, what would, it, what would you give them? What would you say to them? Do you know what he said? He said, I would have my children read the Proverbs more than I did with his children. And he, ra- he raised good children. But he said, the Proverbs are so important. Come on, how many of us know the Proverbs are extremely important? They deal with our money, our morals, and our mouth. Now watch, he's going he's gonna to list seven things. Out of those seven things, I want you to count how many of them deal with our mouth. Okay, verse 16 of chapter 6. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now, why does he say six things and then he turns to seven? Because the list is going to be seven, but there's actually six things because one is listed twice. One is listed twice. Does that make sense? So let's read them. A proud look. Hello. Don't come strutting into God's presence. I'm just going to let that sit a minute. Some of us are too proud for our own good. No, pastor, I don't do that. That's not who I am. God could break you and make you somebody different. In fact, the Bible says things like that, like, 
He will humble the proud, but raise up the humble. And so you have to be careful because God takes pride very, very seriously. It's the chief sin that got Satan in trouble. But I didn't come to preach about pride. Keep going. A lying tongue. That's number one. Check. Lying tongue has to do with our mouth. Let's keep going. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to run into evil. A false witness who speaks lies. That's twice he brings up lies, right? Therefore, seven things, but there's six. Because one is mentioned twice, right? And one who sows discord among the brethren. So out of the seven, we could make a case that three and a half, because the heart that devises evil schemes, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So you will share those evil schemes eventually. So three and a half, half of the list has to do with our mouth. Uh Uh-oh. Do I have your attention, please? See, lying is a big, big deal in God's word, and he talks about it a lot. In fact, he says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Are an abomination to the Lord. Do you realize that the Bible says in the book of James that the father of lies is Satan? He was a liar from the beginning and a murderer. A murderer. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to go a little deep here, so I want you to stay with me on this. But do you realize that lying, lying detaches us from reality? And it begins to substitute a false reality, a false dichotomy into our lives. And it erodes the very confidence that we so desperately need to live this life in peace and joy. It starts to to undo the very fabric of who we are. When we lie, we align ourselves with something malevolent, with something evil. And we begin to side and allow access to that evil. We, We give it access into our lives. You say, oh, pastor, um, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, you see this happening in, in, in the world today over and over and over. And I see it in so many different places where I counsel people and I talk to people. I see that, that they've given themselves over to believing lies and stating lies. Some are philosophical, some are theological, and some are very practical. But when you do that, listen to me very, very closely. When we do that, we begin to etch away at the very foundation of who we are. And we begin to separate ourselves from the king of glory who has what? Given us his truth so that we might stand on it and find strength. And it's in this truth that we find strength. It's in this truth that we start knowing who we are. It's in this truth that we're truly integrated integrated instead of being fragmented in our psyche. You go, Pastor, is this, is this true? No, psychologists are just now starting to catch up with this truth. That most of the psychological problems that are taking place are because something has been shattered and things have begun to move and there is no foundation. It's been said that on a strong foundation, if you can just stand on absolute truth and know who you are and be confident, then no fear shall move you. Isn't that the truth? 
that God says when you know his love and you're confident in his love and you speak his truth and you know who you are in him, then it drives out all fear instead of having phobia after phobia after phobia because your foundation is fragmented and you've invited something evil. It can happen in your marriage. It can happen to you personally. It can happen to your children who begin to have all kinds of insecurities because they're believing lies and telling lies. I can remember being a kid and I had a real problem with lying. It's interesting because God ordained me to speak the truth and yet the enemy came in before I even knew God's ordination. He already saw something in me. Could it be that your calling is noticeable in the spiritual? That's another topic. But it's like the enemy, I mean, he, he zeroed in on that. And I can remember skipping school at, in first grade with my kindergarten brother for a week. Not a day, a week, the entire day. I would have still been skipping till this day had it not been for my aunt who caught me. And you should have seen the lies that just start coming out of my mouth. And I brought my brother into it. And the sad thing is that when you start to lie, you start to believe those lies. And, and not only that, but you always have to be preoccupied. You don't live in peace and true joy because you've got to be preoccupied about the lies you told to who and what did you say. It's kind of like the story of Pinocchio. Even the world has figured this out. Your nose grows and grows and grows. You go, oh, that's so silly. But just think about it. It's not nothing. It's something. If you had this huge nose that just kept growing every time you lied, you'd be super preoccupied with it. You couldn't go anywhere without dealing with it. Excuse me, excuse me. And that's what the story says. Tells our children that if you lie, you're always going to have to be worried about the lie going before you. Think about this with me for a second. Lying is horrible. It tears down your trust in others and your trust in yourself and your trust in God. And it's interesting because people that lie have more trouble believing God than people that don't. Could it be because the people that don't stand on something solid? It's been said if you stand on something solid. You could move the world. Jesus showed us that. He stood on truth. And you name me one figure that has impacted this world more than. You say, oh, pastor, I'm not sure. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this subject because I want you to understand how valuable words are. Think about it. God spoke. God spoke and he created order out of chaos. When you speak God's truth, you will order your life. you're still not, not with me on this. Think about it. All of civilization centers around a book. We denominate time itself as to before Christ or after Christ. And what do we know about Christ if not his word? You say, but not all of civilization centers around a book. There are some that don't believe in the Bible. Yeah, they believe the false book. The Quran, the words of Confucius, the writings of Buddha, they believe something and it's always a book. It's not a city, it's not a technology, it's not, it's a book. Why? Because there's something to the idea of words. 
And your words are important. Don't lie. Don't lie. It's really, really something. Number two, sowing discord. The sin that causes death is sowing discord. Listen to what the Bible says again in Proverbs 6. I'm going to back up to verse 14. It says, perversity is in his heart, is in the individual's heart who sows discord. He devises evil continuously. He sows discord. He sows discord. Let's read the next verse. What happens when you sow discord? Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Ooh. You say, but pastor, what is sowing discord? Because I definitely don't want calamity suddenly. I know what calamity suddenly is. What's sowing discord? Well, you see the word sowing there, like sowing and reaping, planting. If you plant seeds that cause division in families, in churches, in workplaces, organizations. See, this is the opposite of what Jesus said when he stepped onto the scene and he said, blessed are the what? Peacemakers. The opposite of being a peacemaker is one that sows discord. You say, but how do they do that? Many times the person that sows discord won't come out right and just start bad mouthing. They drop little hints and little innuendos and then, hmm, what did you think about that? And then that you explain some and then they don't like the way you said it because you're still too positive. They start shaping it. Well, that's funny because I would have took it. I would have taken it more like this. I'd look at it more this way. Yeah, no, I, 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 would, I don't know. It's just you, but, but for me, come on. Anyone ever seen that? And you're sowing discord. You're planting seeds, thinking no one's going to find out who spread that seed because you kind of do one of these <laughs> behind the back. No look pass. And you're sowing discord. What does it mean to sow? It means to throw seeds of bitterness, seeds of strife, seeds of disagreement, seeds of, dis- of, of dissension, of spite, of, of envy. Of, and it's all to create division. Can I tell you, calamity will come upon you. You know why God hates these things? Because they hurt people and these are ploys of the enemy. And if he can get you to buy into it, it's only going to hurt you. It's only going to hurt you. And so let's go to the next one. Gossip. Gossip is one of the things that God hates. You say, but what is gossip? Spreading intimate or private rumors or facts about someone. So it could be a fact, because so many times say, I'm, I didn't gossip, that was true. You ever heard always tell the truth? You just don't always have to be telling it to everyone, right? Always tell the truth, you just don't always have to be telling it to everyone. You go, okay, well, be, put it, base that biblically, let me put it biblically. Always tell the truth in love. Love builds up, doesn't tear down. And so if what you're saying will tear down someone's heart, tear down someone's marriage, will tear down someone's reputation, you know, it's interesting because there's a story in the Old Testament where Noah, the one that found grace in God's eyes, and God held Noah in esteem, got drunk. 
One of his sons uncovered him. What does it mean to uncover? Did he purposely uncover? No, he went and shamed him to his other brothers. He told the truth. But God cursed him for that. Because God said, you could have covered him. You didn't have to shame him. You weren't in the position to shame him. And so sometimes we say, but I told the truth. But did your, did your truth telling build someone up in love? Does that make sense? That makes sense. And you might say, but pastor, um, I, I need a little bit more help on this. Because, and and I, I understand why. Because sometimes we're so preoccupied with gossip that we call things gossip that aren't gossip. What do I mean by that? I can remember one time dealing with a brother who, who got upset because I mentioned his name in a casual story that had nothing to do with anything except the, uh, something that we did as brothers. And it's interesting because when I went to him and I started to ask him what was going on, I realized that he had, he had a deeper wound. And he was so afraid of being, of being talked about in any way. I said, man, we're friends. Let me, let me share with you something else that's not gossip. That's not gossip. You know, we're just talking, having a good time, you know, because if that's the case, then I could never say anything about anything. Because most of the time, I'd have to talk about myself the whole time. And we already know we like to talk about ourselves more than anything else. Remember last week's uh, statistics? So it is good to be able to say, hey, you know what? My father-in-law and I went, you know, we went fishing or we went, did this, we went and did that. Go, oh, you're gossiping about your father-in-law. No, I'm not. I'm just talking here. I'm just talking, you know. Uh, but, but can I tell you something else that sometimes people will, will say, oh, you're gossiping because they don't want the repercussions of someone telling the leadership of something that happened that needs to be addressed. Can I share this with you? In the book of 1 Corinthians especially, most of what Paul is addressing with the church came because someone shared it with him. Now, what if they had said, that's gossip? Paul wouldn't have been able to address anything. That's not gossip when it's shared with leadership so that leadership can do something about it. It becomes gossip when we're sharing it with each other and we are not in the position of authority to do anything about it. Amen? All right, stay with me on this. We're going to keep going because the Bible talks about this. And Paul mentions not only gossip, but slander. Watch this. For I am afraid that when I come to you, see, this is Corinthians. He heard some things and now he's going to address it. And he's actually going to show up there. And he says, I am afraid that when I come to you, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response either. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, and gossip. This is all disorderly behavior. It's not causing the church to grow. Number four, slander. Come on, how many of you know slander is very, very, very malicious? Very harmful. Because the the person many times won't even know that they're being run down. And false, malicious statements or reports about someone. You say, well, how's that different from gossip? Well, they're very much the same. And they can cause problems everywhere it's found. But notice, it, 
does something to you too. The Bible says that when we gossip someone or slander them, we actually murder them. And I always used to read that and think, stay with me on this. We actually used to murder them. Or, or we, we murder them. And I, I used to think, okay, if I murder someone, then God is going to hold me accountable for that. Absolutely, God will hold you accountable. And that's why you need the blood of Jesus Christ to set you free. Stay with me. Stay with me. Watch this. This is important. I'm about to go a little deeper. And I want you to catch this. But what if it's not just God is going to hold me accountable for murder in my heart? But what if it changes me and I become a murderer in my heart? Think about this. To be a murderer, does that put you at peace? No, you won't feel peace and you won't feel joy. So what if when we gossip someone, slander someone, we, we are robbing ourselves of peace because we become more like the person that could kill someone. And we have no peace and we have no joy and we're estranged from God and we start having a paranoia and we start to try to excuse ourselves and always try to justify ourselves. And the more we justify ourselves to try to fill the peace that we desperately need, the more we get further and further from God because it gets harder and harder and harder to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And we end up murdering more and more and more because once you take one life, what's stop you from taking another life? Think about this with me for a second. This is deep. And you go, oh, pastor, you're taking it too far. Then why did Jesus say it? If we didn't, if we're not supposed to take it this far, then why would Jesus say it? See, the Bible says, let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him, Psalm says. You think God takes it seriously? You say, Pastor, but, but what if you're telling the truth that's not slandered and that's more gossip, isn't it? No, no. Because, you know, sometimes we share things about pastors. We share things about individuals. We share things about other people. And when they ask you, well, how do you know? You go, oh, uh, I got it from a reliable source. Really? Where? The internet? Yeah, that all awesome oracle of truth, right? The internet. Because you got to believe everything that they say. You know, and, and, and sometimes we hear it from other people, and then we start to, to repeat it. Can I share something with you? This is super important not to do, especially in the body of Christ. I don't ever want foundation to be accused of slandering another church. Ever. I want us to speak well of other churches. I want us to build up other pastors. I want us to speak good. And if you hear something, we don't know it's true. We leave it between them and God. Amen? Because I always say this. That's their house. And I'm not over their house. You're not over that house. We're not over that house. Let God be over his house. Amen? And, and he's big enough to handle it. We pray for them. Amen? We pray for them. So I know I'm not talking just to you. I'm talking to myself too. God's been speaking to me on this. I'm going to go to my last one here. My last one, or next to last, tailbearing. You say, Pastor, isn't tailbearing the same thing as slander and gossip? It's a little different. Now, I'll share with you the definition. 
revealing secrets or breaking confidence. And I want to share with you that a tarot bearer reveals secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit conceals the matter. Why is this important? Because God desires us to be of a faithful character. Character. And did you know character is having power and not misusing it? Some of us want more authority, want more power, want more. Then we need to make sure we never misuse the little you have. Because if you can be faithful with the little, then God can bless you with more. God will bless you with more. And so listen to what the Bible says in the book of James. This is going to be a very quick one, so I want you to listen here. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now watch. The talebearer won't keep this in confidence. They go and share it with somebody else. And this is typically the way we do it. In Christian circles, this is how we talebearer without, we disguise it though. We disguise it this way. I'm going to tell you something. But the reason I'm going to tell you this is so that we can pray for the individual. And so when I tell you, I want us to pray together. Now watch what the Bible says. How many people need to pray? The prayer of a righteous what? People? Person. This is the only place that God says you don't have to agree, but you The person who told you and the Holy Spirit. It's the only people that have to agree and it shall be done. Can you imagine how many people in the church are walking around forgiven but not healed? Notice what the Bible says there. Tell your sins one to another that you might be what? Healed. Where does forgiveness come from? God. So you confess your sin to God, God forgives you. But how are you healed? In the body of Christ. And many times the body of Christ is the last place we'll share something. Are you kidding me, Pastor? I won't share anything with my brothers in Christ. Because they're the ones that talk the most. I'll go share it with some obscure person out here in the world that I know. Who doesn't know my other friends. And what kind of advice are you getting? Can I tell you, this is so important in God's house to be able to receive something and to say, let's pray that you would be, you would be filled with peace because the sin that you are forgiven of, you haven't been healed in the area of peace. Your joy hasn't been restored to you. Let's pray for joy. You have this going on. Let's pray for healing. Let's take care of this God's way. And when you're righteous and you hold it in confidence and you don't tell it, then God works in an awesome way. Now, here's the last one. Cursing. Cursing. You want to know what the definition of cursing is? Cursing is cursing. Do you like how I did that? Cursing is cursing. And some of you are going, oh, it goes that Baylor education. You're not supposed to define a word with a word, right? 
Let me, let me share it over here. Let's see if you guys get it. Cursing is cursing. When you use four-letter words, you're actually cursing like putting a spell on your life. So Pastor Robert tells this beautiful story in his book about he needed some work done on his shotgun or his gun. He was going to go bird hunting. And they asked him to take it to this gunsmith who worked out of his home. When he got to the home and the the man greeted him immediately, like within the first greeting, four-letter word, bleep, 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 beep, beep. So he realized, oh, my goodness, this guy may not know I'm a pastor. So he tried to sneak in the idea, I'm a pastor over here at Gateway Church. He's a pretty big church. You know, I think you know where. Oh, wonderful. Bleep, 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 bleep. Inviting him to church. Oh, thank you very much. Bleep, 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 bleep. Just wouldn't slow him down. Come on, anyone know someone like that? Then he found out he's a good gunsmith, but he actually had to scale his business down because it wasn't doing very well. Pastor Robert thought to himself, you know what? It, it's, it's blaringly obvious. He's been cursing his business every day, all day, just cursing it, cursing it, cursing it. And if you asked around a little bit, a lot of people stopped going to him because they just couldn't handle the cursing. So Pastor Robert says he got his gun back and he blessed it, he anointed it with oil. He broke every curse he possibly could on that gun. You know, the truth of the matter is this. Are you blessing or cursing your marriage, your children, your home, your relationships, your business, your work? You say, but but I don't use four-letter words. How about the word damn? You know the word damn comes from the word damnation? To damn something means you're cursing it. Don't ever curse your home. Don't ever curse your children. Don't ever curse your relationship. Don't ever curse your finances. Guess what? They have enough trouble of their own, right? Some of us go, do we look at our, 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 our statement? We go, darn it. Hey, that's the last thing you want to do in this economy, right? You better speak a blessing over your finances. Speak a blessing or you go, well, pastor, I don't use that word either. What if we were very careful not to use offensive language, but we speak curses in other ways? How so? Well, we speak curses by by saying things like this. Oh, I'm never going to get ahead in life. Isn't that a curse? Pastor Derek Prince talks about how he he knew a man who cursed his wife by saying, she doesn't cook any good. She's never going to be any good. Guess what? Never has. Baby, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he wasn't talking about me, but I just realized we got to be careful what we say. Now every family dinner, I'm the one cooking. Baby, you're a great cook. You're an awesome cook. You're going to do wonderful in the kitchen today. (laughs) Amen. No, but sometimes we speak curses over our children and we say, oh, why are you so? 
and you're so, and, and this and that, and we, and yet our words are building or tearing. Come on, church. Six deadly things. You might be here today and say, oh, pastor, you've convicted my heart. You might be here today and not want to be convicted. And you're saying, oh, that pastor, I used to like him, but he just started meddling today. He went from good preaching to plain old meddling. Martha, we're going to have to find another church. Before you leave to another church, (laughs) would you just spend some time with the Holy Spirit? And just say, Lord, what? What is it that you want to do in my life to establish your goodness? Your goodness. See, we'll talk more about this next week, but the two keys to really, really is breaking these curses, breaking these strongholds, these deep-rooted spiritual habits is accountability. And it starts with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, keep me accountable. Make it known to me. And then being able to be correctable. Accountable and correctable. That means someone has to be able to say, hey, there's a better way. And it starts right here with this prayer. I want you, before we take communion, to say, Holy Spirit, which one of these six do I need to work on? He might, need, he might say two or three. You might say four, five, or six. Whatever it is, are you willing to be accountable? Are you willing to let God correct you with his word? Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Would you speak to us by the power of your word? We humble ourselves today. I pray that you would change me in ways I haven't been able to change myself. I surrender to you. Lord, you provided all things on the cross, and this is why we celebrate. Let the power of the cross change what only you can change. Tame my mouth. Tame my mouth. Heal me. In Jesus' name. We partake of this life giving order. Until you return, Lord. Maranatha. We love you, church. Have a great, great week.